Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my gorgeous little fizzy cola cubes. It's me, Diane. Welcome to episode three of my beautiful podcast, Chatting with Chorley, the podcast. I'm having a gorgeous time here in the studio again. Milky's in the corner there, fingering a bleeding cream bun. Can you stop that? You will have to wipe that down. I'll have to get the kiff out. For goodness sake, pain in the backside. Anyway, I'm delighted to be here. As you all know, if you've been listening for the last couple of episodes, I've just come out of prison. I'm back here to get my throne of light entertainment back and... Fill your ears with joy every bleeding week. Each week, I've got a brand new song being released for my incredibly gorgeous album, Diane Chorley, Greatest Hits, Volume 1. After the show, you can download that from all your bleeding platforms, whatever they are. At the end of the show, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my life and about the gorgeous song and why I wrote it. All right, my beautiful babes, but first, my guest today is the go-to guru for all things nowness. He's an Instagram megastar, king of the meme. He writes for the Sunday Times, American Vogue. And this year saw him release his debut book, Trivial Pursuits, to a critical acclaim. I welcome to my beautiful podcast, the one and only, the beautiful Raven Smith. Look at you, my gorgeous <laughs> babe. Look at that big smile. I know. It gets bigger every year. Does it? Yeah. Is that something you're trying for or is that just nature? It's a lot of facial exercises just to widen the grin. Oh, you modern lot. You, you're ever so forward thinking when it comes to the way your mouth looks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for those people at home who, who might not know you, because you, you're a bit of an enigma, you are, Raven. I don't know if you know that, because you're a bit of a, I would say, an internet superstar to an extent. Mm. I don't know how you feel about that. It's that's something you go with. I, it makes me think of Jesus Christ Superstar and roller skates, so I'm I'm here for it. Oh, gosh, I'm here for it too. Well, my <laughs> point being, if you had to explain to my viewers at, at, or listeners at home, because they're probably listening to this, probably not just staring at the radio, but if you had to explain to them what you did as a career, what would it be? Oh, well, I would say most recently I've become a writer. So I write um, a, co- a weekly column in American Vogue, and I've just, in, I've just had a book out. Um, and I'm just about to write, start writing my second book. But alongside that, I am also very gobby, and that has helped me also be very gobby online. So I think I, I chat a lot. You do chat a lot, but you make a lot of sense because I've been, I've been, I've got your book, Trivial Pursuits. It's absolutely gorgeous. I've been listening to it um, audio books. I can't hold a, a book for too long. What with my wrists, I tell you that my bones are like, <laughs> my bones are like chalk. Yeah. Any impact on me and I'd evaporate. Do you know what I mean? So I've got to listen to the audio book and I enjoyed it ever so much. And basically it's about the things we pursue in life. I mean, you're probably better off explaining it than me because it would be good for the people at home to read your book or have a listen like I did because I think they'd believe and enjoy it. Maybe you should explain it to them, you know? I agree. I hope they enjoy it. Basically, I came up with this premise or noticed this 
idea that all of the small things, we're all very aware of famine and war and all of the massive big things that happen in life in, in the world and the importance of those. And I wanted to just draw focus on the smaller things, the things that pass us by. I think spend a lot of time either online or with people constantly having this um, stream of consciousness of all the stuff that's around us. So I wanted to focus in on the small things and give them some in, uh, observation. So give us an example of that. So you're saying the trivial things are the things we should pursue. I'm saying that we are all pursuing some idea of like what we're about, what we like, and every little tiny decision we make fits into this big jigsaw of how we understand who we are. So I wrote about Diet Coke and being on your phone and interior design and plates and spoons and all of the things that just fill everyday life in the kind of margins between um, all the massive news that is going on all the time. I wrote about being tall because it's this very strange, like tall people just have a, like a, have genuinely in society have better lives because we're all kind of pre we we all um, give them more credit for just for being tall. So you say about the smaller things enough, but I can't help but think you're one of them people what takes a lot of care in the tiny things. Because I've seen you in your house; it's all ever so nicely designed. Even though one day I hope you bleed and paint the walls, it's getting right on the bleeding. <laughs> it's like someone's had a turn in there with a bit of bleeding white spirit. It's a it's a slow burn. Oh, it's hard to pick colours, but yeah, I take a lot of care in the small things. Now a lot of people at home they're not going to know this, but. You and I, we've had a little encounter before in the past, haven't we? Because we have. I had a gorgeous friend called Neil Retina, okay, Neil Retina, and he used to own a little pub called the Haggerston in Dalston. And once upon a time, when I came out of prison, he, he gave me a little handout because he used to be an importer and exporter of cuddly toys. And one day when I came out of prison, he said, Diane, come down and work in me, in me pub. You could be a little manager, pop in every so often and have a little look at my gorgeous stuff. Oh, my God. Did you know that Raven Bleeding worked there? Didn't you, Raven? I did. What Some of the most blurred and best years of my life. They were, weren't they? I mean, I just stormed in occasionally, you know, emptied the till, took all the coppers. But I had a, <laughs> yeah. I had a good time. Only after, only after smell a bag of potatoes now. And it sends me right back. Cheese and oh, onion. I've forgotten about potatoes. I basically lived off potatoes and whiskey for about four years. Yeah, they, that was pretty much my diet as well. In prison and out. But the weird thing was that I feel like he was a bit of a, he had a bit of a Midas touch, Neil, didn't he? Because everyone that he worked with, they all went to do quite well for himself. He had a nice selection. He was a bit like, I don't know, the, the Fagan. He was a bit like a Fagan of Misfits. <laughs> the Fagan of Misfits. Just, do you know what I mean? Yeah, shining, shining up the pennies. Well, well, yeah, shining up the pennies. But, you know, he could spot an Oliver Twist in a crowd, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's a bit like a Saatchi. He picked out he the talent. The he thought of Dalston. Do you know what? Because they've all gone on to do quite well, that lot, haven't they? Just, are you in touch with any of them? Are you in touch with any of that lot? No, I am not. But I'm awful at keeping touch with people. Like, I love a chat, and if people come to chat to me, I'll chat away. But I'm, I literally just, just crack on with what I'm doing till I hear from someone. And I'm like, we should definitely hang out. You mean, you mean communicating on the phone? You don't get in touch too much, that kind of thing. Oh, that's fair enough. I think we're all quite disconnected these days, aren't we, with that kind of thing? I understand that. But some of them I still see occasionally. You know, I throw them a bit of change if I see them outside Dalston Tube or something. Do you know what I 
<laughs> I'm only joking. They're, they're gorgeous. None of them are homeless. They've all gone on to do well in the arts. That's why I said he was a bit of a Sachi or something. But anyone who worked at the Haggerstone, wherever you are now, we're, we're thinking of you and we're having a gorgeous time, but it's long gone. And you know what? I think of you then, Raven. And you was always a bit of a trendsetter because then back in the day, you had your skinny jeans. You, you had your oh. little tan loafers. You always had the look, didn't oh. you? You did. I've never and been. That... I've never been afraid. <laughs> I've never been afraid of a skinny jean. I was. Re- I just remembering the other day that they told us that they were killing us. Skinny jeans are killing you. They're crushing your. In- they're crushing your organs. And you'll never grow into the beautiful oak you were meant to be. Oh really? Is that true? Well, I guess that's kind of true because if you put something around a tree, it don't grow, does it? I can't imagine it's good for the old testy, for the man, because they've got to get all the old bits and bobs swimming around in there, and they ain't. My. <laughs> As far as I know, swimming is fine. <laughs> oh, is it? Have you had it tested recently? I have had it tested recently. Have you? They're swimming like they should be. Why are you having your little themes? Why are you having that tested? We're on the, we are embarking on the beautiful journey of creating a new life. Are you really? My husband and I. Yeah. How excited. Of course, I know your beautiful husband, Dickie. Gorgeous Dickie. Well, that's his Instagram name. It's Richard, I assume, in real life, isn't it? Yeah, Richard. Yeah. To anyone that knows him, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll call him Dickie, because that's his Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we'll call him. And then, so you're having a little baby. So how how does it work that you, so are you going to go, what route are you going down? If this is too personal, stop me in my track. It's not too personal. Surrogacy in Britain is basically um, a long and lengthy process. So you just, you test your excretions and then you wait. You basically wait for a long time to find to be paired with someone that is a willing vessel for your child and a kind of benevolent mother figure in your child's life in some way. Uh, oh, so they stay in they stay in touch, do they, with the with the kitty? You basically, are, I am basically open to that. I don't really feel here or there. If the person wants to stay in touch, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's nice. Isn't it? I think that's a very nice way of doing it. And it, not that I know, because I've never pursued down that road. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a motherly figure. I am, but I just don't want no kiddies touching me. Do you know what I mean? Steer grubby clear. hands. They really have, grubby well, hands. Like I said to Soph Ellis Bextron the other day, and I said their hands smell like ketchup. I don't want no kid coming near me, putting their hand in my mouth. Are you kidding? All over their bum they've been. I don't want that. I don't want pink eye. Not at my age. It'll finish me right off. Oh, indeed. But then yes. you went on, so you was a trend. So you was well, we went on down the dark road there. But actually, no, it's a nice road. It's nice hearing about that. And I well, wish you success in that because it must be stressful waiting. Oh, you kind of just get acclimatized to it. And then one day, what someone calls you and they're like, "It's a match, like Tinder." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a very long Tinder process. And it's it's not an app though, is it? No, it's not an app. There's there's a few meetings and then you just wait. <laughs> they should do a so. I mean, should they? I don't know. It's very weird to to be the person who's like, oh, I'm going to, like being a surrogate must be a bit of a head scratcher. So I sort of understand how strange that will be for whoever chooses to do it. Are they getting a bit of the old moulet for that? Not in Britain. Really? Are you not allowed to in Britain? It's illegal to pay someone to be your surrogate, yeah. Feels a bit weird, doesn't it? But who am I to judge? I don't know. They've got their funny rules. But after that, um, (laughs) after that, you being a trendsetter, because I was saying that, weren't I, that you ever subleading good guessing things you were, went to work at something called nowness now i don't know what that is is that like a trendsetty thing oh you it was um a luxury content platform and we basically did a film a day every day for oh four or five years and then um 
I was there for like eight years, but we, we pivoted to, to video and we did videos every day. But what does it take to be a, a trendsetter? What is it you think, you know, I mean, do you worry about where you go, what restaurants you go to, whether you use Inferno and Ball and all that malarkey? Uh, do you use Inferno and Ball? I bet you do. Ever so rich in pixel content, that is. Oh, my God. I don't. 50 pound ah! of bleeding pop. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't use Inferno and Ball. I use Mylands, which is, has the Queen's Warrant. I'm with it, with it with the posh paint. When I worked at Haggerston, when I was like a bright young thing, being cool really mattered to me. And that now I just don't care. I just want my, like all the small stuff in my book, I want it to be the best it can be. And I want it to have some meaning. The part of the reason all my walls aren't painted is because just picking arbitrary colors because they look nice to my eye just will not satisfy me. It has to just remind me of somewhere brilliant that I've been or a, a childhood home or something. It has to have some meaning beyond this looks nice. You are a bit of a perfectionist, aren't you? And I heard it a lot in your, in your gorgeous book. No, when I was listening to it, you're a perfectionist. A lot of, I feel like you put a lot of pressure on yourself to be the best of the best. And I, I admire that in you. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. Would, do you think that's fair? I, I, I recently got completely obsessed with being on my deathbed and what I'm going to, what are we looking back on? And I just don't want to be the person who wished they'd done more. Well, that's fair enough. I feel like, your, your aspirations to be the best of the best. I feel like you've got a bit of a aspirations to be royalty, perhaps. I've noticed oh, the old I little. That. I've noticed the old little the old little ring finger there. That's usually what the posh boys don't they down that Knightsbridge. They've all got their little fingers there. He loves a loafer. Oh, he's married to a German. Do you know what I'm saying? He's got aspirations. Uh, <laughs> he uses he uses the Queen's paint. I would embrace the royal life. You would. I think you'd be ever such a good royal. Has old Dickie got any royal blood? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Pending. What are you going to do? Get a transfusion? <laughs> Poor bugger. Yeah. I hope he knows. <laughs> it's not very likely I'm going to make it into the royal family. Now I'm like, wait, what's my avenue? Nothing. Well, you could get a surridge or a peerage or something, couldn't you? I'll, t- I'll take that. Yeah, we'll start Is a little camp. Is that into royal? Are you a royal if you've got an OBE? No. Probably not. I'll have a word with Prince Andrew. Let's not insult the royals, though. We don't want to get blacklisted there. I personally would like to be Dame Diane Chorley one day. Don't get me wrong. Do you know what I mean? Just putting it out there in the ether. In the Just ether. manifest. Manifest. I'm manifesting, girl. Now, with the old... Uh, <laughs> I wonder, actually, Raven, I'm going to say this here because there's a little bit in your book and it made me feel ever so touched. And it talks about you. And I've noticed it's about your book as well. Because obviously I read the, the audio version. Mm-hmm. And apart from the bits where I could hear you or try desperately not to make yourself laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that must have, it must have taken you a long bleeding time to do that because pretty much at the end of every third sentence, I can hear you go, <laughs> just finding, yeah. yourself, finding yourself so bleeding funny that you yeah, couldn't resist but have a little so chuckle. <laughs> but in it, there is a book, it's a bit where you're talking about when you was growing up and you live with your, your mum, you're a single mum and she didn't have much money, did she, growing up? No. Uh, or you didn't as a pair. And you you don't go in too much detail. I feel like you don't like getting too personal. Do you know what I mean? Do you think that's fair to say? It it just depends. I want to be honest, and I don't, you know that doesn't that's not the same as being kind of eviscerating my personal life. My point is, what I was saying is, do you think growing up with without much, and also you talk in a gorgeous little section, talk about Christmas now, you make your Christmases the best it could be. I think it's just adorable. Mm. And it's wonderful. And, and you, you talk a bit about how that made you feel 
because you you didn't have much money growing up, so you want the best of the things now. Do you think that's why maybe a bit harder on yourself, put a little pressure there, because you don't want to ever go, you know, you want to transcend that life in a way. Oh yeah, absolutely, hundred percent want to transcend that life. I, I, you know, this is you know, this is the the dream is to like grow bigger and somehow over the course of my lifetime. And uh, and obviously thinking about my deathbed constantly, thinking about my future kids, I want them to have better opportunities. And I think that means, you know, working out what I can do. What I don't know. I think what everyone on this planet is trying to make a mark on it in some way. And I just don't want it to be like a big, gross carbon footprint. I want it to have some meaning. Whether and you know, being funny, as it were, and and sharing this interest in the in the in all the small stuff around me. I hope that feels for people like um like like a, a common ground, some kind of community like some kind of space where we're in this together rather than this constant individual me and my stuff and is better than your stuff. Do you know what though? I think I want to say this to you because I think, I don't know what you, how you perceived like gay culture growing up or whatever. What did you, what did you think of it? Did you see it as like a, I don't know. What, how did you see it? Was it a scary thing to you? Was it something, what was it? What was your iconic things growing up as someone that was growing up gay and taken in, that world you know what 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 excited you and intrigued you what excited me well not excited you (laughs) i grew up in brighton so i was um surrounded by gay men and gay culture and gay clubs and gay cruising and i just never felt i don't know a lot of my friends who grew up in more rural places or with less gay people around wanted to escape and you know, wanted to find that community in the gay community and uh, and be accepted. But I kind of grew up smothered in acceptance, like peanut butter. So I never really was that bothered about being on the gay scene or anything like that. And I think in more recent times, it's become much more of a like exciting, uh, much more of a defining thing about who I am. I think I was just trying to be a straight person that also happened to like men until I was like 25. Which is obviously quite a young age to have an epiphany and be a big old woofter. But that's fine too. Oh, so you, you didn't come out until you were 25? You're not saying that. No, I came no. out when I was 16 on the phone. Well, yeah, I thought that. But yeah. yeah, but I was living, I wasn't like, I was sort of consciously not, not, not entering into a kind of gay community. I was very happy to, you know, go to Libertines gigs in my skinny jeans and hang out with loads of straight guys. I feel like I, a lot of gay men have this. They, we, a lot of us feel like we didn't really cash in when we were properly, properly hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really annoyed about it. I'm Are like, you really? Wow, I was a beautiful young man. Oh, I what a shame! Down the, I was going to say down the vault, but like at the 100 club, and it was brilliant, but it wasn't like, wasn't my, it wasn't sexy. Yeah, I was going to say it's never too late, but it, it is. It is. Well, you want <laughs> it to is, marry. I'm afraid. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, one thing I must say is that because you're in your book and just hearing you talk there about all that stuff, then you said in your book about, because you talk about Queer Eye and you talk mm. about gay culture being almost homogenized. Now it's kind of turning into like a preen dry clee version of itself in a way. Do you know what I mean? And it's quite interesting hearing you say there about well, you growing up and almost trying to be part of a different world until you were 25. That's quite late, isn't it? The thing with Queer Eye is it, like most things in, in like popular, huge mass culture, it's quite, it's, it's like sanitized in some way. It's really safe and really approachable. And I think there's a level at which with the gay revolution and with like the legalization of being gay and gay marriage, et cetera, et cetera, the danger in Britain is like much less. And I think I do get a lot of the impression from older gay men that it was fun when it was covert. I mean, I'm not, I, 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 not, not to put a negative spin on kind of liberation, but I also think that um, we are a culture of people who, you know, subculture has, has virtually fizzled out because it's so easy to co-opt and adopt new things on a global level. Mm. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, we did that. What did we do, Milky, that other week? This is Milky's just in the corner loitering because someone sprayed leaks in the room. And we did that block nine down at that Glastonbury. Do you know what I mean? Mm. The things we saw down there, you'll never see that on the one show. <laughs> no. Sometimes if I blink, I can still see it, Raven. Oh. I'm not joking. But this is what I mean by it is a dangerous game, though, isn't it? Because if you if you sterilize something and make it seem like what it's not then it's not true is it in a way and i know it's spoon feeding people but we've got to be accepting to the idea that you know and it's some people see it's transgressive or that you know that it especially i guess when it comes to sex and things like that but we we can very much play down this lifestyle or or kind of give it a bit of a sheen and make it look pristine when actually life is very difficult and it's dangerous and it's and it's dirty sometimes. And I feel like there is a little bit of a fear in there that we're playing this false illusion of something that isn't a reality. I don't know. Totally. But I don't think that's like specific to being gay. I mean, I don't think you're going to see straight people shagging on the one show either. There's a level at which private and public, these two things play out co near each other all the time. And, the, and where they start to meet, people have different levels of kind of like acceptability and propriety and what is a, the right way to be how short is a short skirt you know stuff like that like this um interplay between this our sexualized selves and our living in the world selves and as things become more sexualized online with our culture becomes more and more about looking and 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 being delivered things to our eyes that we wouldn't normally see we, we get even more down, we get even more kind of like sanitized versions of it as a kind of escape from constantly seeing people rutting on Pornhub. Well, I've never seen Pornhub. I don't know what you're talking about, Raven, but it sounds, <laughs> it sounds like Milky will be on there clogging up the internet tonight till three in the morning on that. I can tell you that for nothing. 
my point being, but Raven as well, is that because I just wanted to say this because I don't know if you feel this, but you must be ever such a good role model to young people looking up at like someone who, who, who is, you know, aspirational to be part of the, like a lovely, you're all about family and you're ever so true to yourself and you've got such a good integrity about you. And I really admire you about that. And I wanted to let you know that. Thank you. And yeah, you must be able... I, yeah, I'm squirming. Thank you. Why I, are you squirming I, though? I just because I think you could, there's like two parts of my brain, right? The one part which is like I am a man who can't shut up and a show off, and that is not great. And the other part which is like I should never apologize for what I'm about. And you, you know, there's this old or or there's this feminist mantra that you can't be what you can't see, like that. It's actually a positive thing to be a happy gay man in a stable relationship, raising a family and, you know, doing his house up. So I realise that's both mundane and profound in its kind of execution. But I hope that people, young people, sure, anybody can see that there's a level at which you can strive to carve out the life that you want, right? Mm. But why why do you play down the idea of being a show-off or... Why? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with being positive and out there and loud and people seeing you? What's negative about that? Where'd you get the idea that that's a negative thing? Uh, you know, not not that it's coming from me, who is a very shy little flower. No, but I have this thing called raven monoxide and I'm definitely capable within seconds of filling up a room. And you have to be really careful about that not being poison. Like you have to, it has to be something that gets everyone dancing on the table, not just me dancing for myself because I fucking want to. But I just don't want it to be this thing of like, I'm a show off, I do what I want. I want it to be like, let's all get on the table. This is a space where everyone should be able to express themselves. Well, I don't think it comes across like that, if that's of any... Uh, I mean, I don't know. I've not seen your full tilt. I can see that. I can imagine the, no. <laughs> the raven monoxide filling a room quite quick. I'll tell you that for nothing. Yeah. Well, the other thing I was going to say to you is the... Um, because I've only read a little bit about this, but about what did what were your parents like, and and how did they bring you up, and what's your relationship with them now? Are they proud of? So my mum brought me up. Yeah, they proud of you. They love you. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, that obviously yes. they love you. Yeah, uh, my mum brought me up on her own, so I, I think a lot of my upbringing was less about all of the small stuff and much more about survival. I think she really in places struggled just to keep her head above water. So maybe that's part of my obsession with what I fill my life with if I'm not struggling to stay afloat. Um, my dad's all right. I mean, he's a really, really, really great guy. He's just like not the best dad. But my stepdad's excellent. We, he, my parent, my mum and my stepdad, my parents met when I was 14. So I've, he's been in my life. Five years, no, <laughs> seven years, a little while. Um, so <laughs> three of us like a proper unit, you know, there's a level at which we are just proper family. And I remember so vividly this change from this guy that my mum was, my mum's boyfriend, and I and be, and that morph into him being family. Like if something happened to my mum, he's still my stepdad, you know, but she used to be the only thing that connected us. Well, they're gorgeous things, aren't they? Relationships with people who come into a family life. And I always admire those people because they give so much, but they also get a lot back. I think that's mm. beautiful. 
But so you, you touched quickly there on your on your real dad. Do you still speak to him? What is it about him that you didn't maybe connect with or don't connect with? Um, there's something about the uh, being a very young, impressionable, nascent gay man or any kind of young man and your father being this figure that you're trying to kind of learn from in some way. And I just don't think he was impressed with the way that I was developing. I don't think he was like, it's not not proud, but I was a fruity kid. And I think he found that quite intense. And I think he is a man of, you know, very relaxed, laid back life. And I was like, when are we going swimming? When Can I sing this song for you? I'm going to do a play that I've made up about something in your bedroom that I found. So I think he found that quite in, intense. And especially with me living elsewhere, I wasn't, it's not something that he was living with every day. So I always had that sense that I was overwhelming and definitely developed a way of lessening myself when I was with him, which I didn't know I was doing at the time, but in retrospect, it's like I was careful to be less flamboyant and loud and all of the things that I think are the, like the best things about me now. Well, it's funny you say that because earlier you were saying they were the worst things about you. The, well, they, the yes, they, well, they can be toxic, but most things, you know. Just, most things you, are good. I, yeah. It depends how many Lambrinis you had, I guess is, is the point. But, it's but two, now, two drinks is the optimum. You just want to be two drinks drunk. It just always tips into a couple more. Okay, I'll remember that, but it's unlikely I'll ever just have two drinks. <laughs> yeah. I'm on a litre of the vino daily. So what? When it, so now that you're a bit older and a bit more settled, has your relationship changed with him at all? Is he, you know, have you levelled out a bit more in your... Because a lot of men, I think, they, they have a problem with dealing with children in their adolescence mm. anyway. They get quite not jealous of them, but they get, I think they're quite threatened by them. They see them as too much. They don't quite know how to deal with them. I think that's a problem with masculinity in general is that when they're confronted mm. with a kind of less controlled version of themselves, they do mm. freak out a bit. And usually when yeah. they get older, they kind of level out, I think. And But I don't know what's the case with your dad. might not be the same. It's definitely more level now. We get on quite well. Like we, he's, he's really funny and dry. Yeah, he's, he's like good company. But I don't know what do what does, does, does I think a lot of people feel like that that uh, they're not that their relationship with their parents that realization that they're just like another human on the planet not this oracle and this soothsayer of how you should perform masculinity in the future or feminine or whatever how to be a person they're just another person they're just a mess up like the rest of us yeah <laughs> truth be told my mum killed my father when she found out he was having an affair with the Sharopodist from Billericay so I've got no role model I'll tell you that for nothing <laughs> That's why I ended up a gorgeous fountain of joy and love. You know what I mean? So, Raven, what's the next book about? Oh, I can't tell you. It's still like in the it's in the, it's in the embers. Oh, so it's just in your imagination station. It's. I'm literally going to sign a contract this week. I hope. So, uh, I would say that my long-term obsession and fascination with men, specifically, will be is core to the book. That sounds interesting. I like it. If you ever need a specimen, that one there, stood behind me. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know okay, what sure. kind of a man he is, but he's something. It's like he's been grown in a fridge <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> and that fridge keeps running out of power. But they keep on stoking the fire, spraying in a bit more fertiliser, and it keeps growing like a tumour of life. Really, like a tumour of life. Well, I'll tell you what, Raven, I have to say, I enjoyed your book so much reading to it. And I'm so proud of 
the way you've turned out and everything you're achieving. I know it's not my position to be proud, but I was your manager at the Hackerstan. And I know Neil will be happy. <laughs> I know Neil will be happy with you too. God bless him. Oh, God. Heady times. They were heady times. I think I still, mm. still get the acid reflux from all the Sambuca. <laughs> Heaven. All right, Raven. Well, do you know what? You're beautiful. I hope you have a gorgeous day. Send my love to Dickie. I will. Thank you so much for having me. Now, this song, Come On Canvey, came about completely by chance. It was about 1986 and I was at the closing party for Studio 54. I was with Andy Warhol, my manager at the time, Stevie Jabs. All the faces was there. It was bleeding gorgeous and unbelievable. Anyway, halfway through, Andy turns around to me and he's gone, do you know what, Diane? I can smell dog's muck. You know what? I got that sinking feeling. I thought, if there's anyone that's bleeding trodden dog's muck, it's me. I'm sure it crawls across the pavement to find the crease in my shoe. I've seen it do it. It ain't right. I've cleaned more carpets than Kim and Aggie. I looked down. Sure enough, a lump of New York's finest has forced itself into the tread of my Terry de Havilland's. Well, I panic and do a little moonwalk on the nearest carpeted surface. How was I supposed to know it was a podium for the dancers? Next thing I know, some buggers spinning around on there like a pestle in a mortar. Well, the smell, oh my God, at every corner of the VIP room, like a glade plug in it was. My manager, Stevie Jabs, he was fuming, dragged me out of the club. I could tell he had the ump, because in the day he'd made me go to a sushi restaurant. He knows I ate raw fish. I absolutely despise it. Then he got annoyed at me because I ordered chips. Hello, what do you want me to do? In the limousine, he'd half let rip. You're going out of date, Diane. You're going to get left behind. Disco died in 79. You need to be more edgy, more multicultural. You've got to spice things up a bit. You've got to go and explore the world. Paul Simon's gone to Africa. The talking heads have got a bongo. There's a rat in you before kitchen. I said, I'm not going to Africa. My nerves couldn't handle it. So I went on a little cruise. Honestly, oh my God, it was bleeding luxury. I was like a pig in mud. The food, oh, it was absolutely gorgeous. Everything was cut into a shape of a swan. I can't eat food now unless it's cut into the shape of a swan. I can't. One day, we pull up somewhere. I can't remember where it was. Miami or something. And of course, me and the band, the buffet, we had a gorgeous little studio set up in the hull of the boat. We weren't getting nothing done. I weren't getting inspiration for nothing. I weren't seeing nothing. I weren't feeling nothing. So every evening, we go up to the top deck. I'd sit there. We'd have a little game of Uno. I'd have a little bowl of toffee pop. And I'd be drinking my Drambuie and soda. This time, I had one card left in me, you know. I was about to slam it down. I did it with such gusto, I kicked me cork wedge overboard. That wasn't the worst of it. Little did I know, who was on the harbour doing a press conference? Gloria Bleeding Estevan. My cork wedge knocked her clean out. They thought it was an assassination attempt. They all bleed and panicked, pulled her onto the boat. Well, it didn't take long for her to work out where it came from, especially when they found me trying to limp through the cabin. She saw me. Oh my God, her face turned. She came running at me at the speed of knots. Just when I think she's going to lay one right between my eyes, she throws her arm around me and gives me a gorgeous hug. She says, Diane, oh my God, what a pleasure it is to meet you. Is this your cork wedge? I said, it is, babe. She said, oh my God, let's go and have a drink. Oh my goodness me, that night we went to hell for leather on that boat. It was gorgeous. Then, all of a sudden, she says to me, do you know what, Diane? I'm going to help you write your album. This song I'm going to play for you is inspired and helped by the gorgeous Gloria Estefan. I tell you, wherever you are out there, Gloria, 
I absolutely adore you. And sometimes I can still smell the CK1. So this song, Come On Canvey, I hope you enjoy it, my beautiful listeners. You can download it after the show. Goodbye. Have a gorgeous night. Let's put a penny on your lucky meter. Bread and butter again for supper tonight. You stubbed your toe on some crazy pavement. It made you curse. It laddered your tights. Oh, what a life. Oh, what a bloody life. to my absolutely gorgeous guest Raven Smith you've been listening to Chatting with Chorley the podcast with me Diane Chorley which was written and created by me Diane Chorley the music was written and created by myself Diane Chorley and of course the gorgeous Milky this show is produced by the stunning Chris Jones and it's a hat trick podcast come on you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.